everybody to our episode 2.0 of the Bayjack and Brown Hoop It Up and Down podcast. Again, we're joined by the, our partner, Bob Bayjack. How you doing, Bob? How you doing today, Bob? I'm doing great, Theus. How are you doing today? Fantastic. Uh, uh, we had a, uh, a guest join us previously, Bob. I hope he can get reconnected. Uh, he's actually from Seattle, uh, Dominique Austin. Uh, Dominic, if you're listening, uh, just feel free to join back in. Uh, we'd love to talk to you about your guy, Michael Porter Jr., a little bit. But, um, Bob, breaking news from NBA today this morning. Um, you are a lifelong Chicago Bulls fan, a, Bull, a Chicago native, and unfortunately, uh, things happen. They call it Black Monday in the NFL when the coaches get fired the day after the regular season ends. Uh, tell us your thoughts, Bob, today about uh, Jim Bolin. Uh, being relieved his duties with the Chicago Bulls. It's about time. He he has the second worst record, Theus, in in the Bulls history, 39-84. The only worst record is Tim Floyd, but he was probably even a worse coach than Tim Floyd. You you had these high picks and Laurie Markinen who has regressed. Uh, Wendell Carter Jr. has been hurt and they haven't been using him properly. And he's been fighting with the team star, Zach Levine, who who wants out of the team if he came back. I mean, it was all these things that came together where it's it's time to say bye-bye to Boylan. Bye-bye. Bye-bye to Boylan. Come on, Bob. You can say it with your chest. You can say it. We're going to give you a chance again. You can say it's about damn time. <laughs> well, I mean, he's he was doing timeouts. The, the game's basically over. For example, on the Super Bowl, before I watched the big game, the Bulls were facing the Raptors, and he calls a timeout with 30 seconds left, and it was a blowout by 20-some points. And how does that help anyone? Even if you're going over these situations, it's like the players are going to tune you out. You're not making yourself look good with the media and fans and other teams. I think there was one time one of his own players got injured, and he didn't even call a timeout to get his player off the floor. So the other coach, he was trying to be a bro about it. He called a timeout instead to make sure the player's not going to get hurt worse. And it's just it just seems like he didn't have the people skills that are needed to be a good coach. I mean, he did these substitutions where – it was his first week, and I think twice he took off all the players off the court at the same time, like they were a junior varsity team. And he has to clock that you punch in, but it's almost like mm-hmm. expecting, you know, all of the players who have gone to a higher level of basketball than he ever did. He was just a guard from Maine or something. Like, who cares about Maine basketball? So, I mean, it's just about damn time they got rid of him. About damn, and Bob, I just want to briefly enter. I want to thank. Uh, we have another live guest, um, Dominic Austin uh, from Seattle, Washington. Uh, Bob, he's a, one of our former uh, colleagues at the College of the Page here in Illinois. Dominic, I want to thank you for joining us. Uh, Dominic, can you can you hold on maybe like five minutes? I want to get your opinion about your guy, Michael Porter Jr. Is that all right? Okay, definitely, definitely, yeah, sure. Yeah, Dominic, what we're talking about right now, briefly. Uh, I don't know if you saw the news that um, the Chicago Bulls head coach Jim Boylan was fired. I know that oh, Bob has, yeah, Bob has written for a long time uh, with Bleacher Report, with the Chicago Tribune, and that's what we're talking about right now. So any, anybody else out there, if you can lower your volume or mute your mics, uh, we're going to let Bob get continue again about the next steps of the Chicago Bulls. And then, Dominique, in one moment, we'll get your touch on uh, some of your Seattle guys, Zach, Zach Levine and Michael Porter Jr. Uh, but, Bob, <laughs> can you tell us very quickly about um, 
Arno, off air, what do you think the next step should be for the Bulls as far as looking for a head coach in Tennessee and helping, you know, of course they got the new front office GM. How can they help the organization board and not just be a perennial bottom feeder, but also make the playoffs and then continue to progress the next three or four years? They need to get one of these young up-and-coming coaches. Um, Ime Yudoka is somebody from the 76ers who everybody is very high on. He is somebody who has NBA experience. Um, there's also Adrian Griffin, who is part of the Raptors, and we both are big fans of Dick Nurse. He's innovative. He's a player's coach as well. Um, Eversley has been learning under him. Or Sorry, I meant Adrian Griffin. Griff- Griffin also has experience as a um, an NBA veteran. Um, and Becky Hammond could be somebody, you know, to get the first woman as a head coach that would speak volumes for the Bulls. She also is under Greg Popovich for years. Uh, she she was in the Wait a minute, Bob. So, so was Jim Bowling. Jim Bowling <laughs> was in a Popovich for years, and you didn't say this about damn time to leave town. Well, but but in fairness to Becky Hammond, I mean, she she's somebody that has a respect with even somebody like Tim Duncan and other players, and she's been a top assistant for about two or three years there. So um, I believe she was a legend in the WNBA. Boyland again was just at a smaller college, um, so she does have more kudos with. Uh, and she and she actually could hoop, right? I mean, she yeah, went she to Colorado State, WNBA All Star. I don't know if Jim Bowling can make a layup right now. No. Definitely not. And um, Kenny Atkinson is somebody that both of us are interested in. Um, we know that he is somebody who did well. He developed players like Harris LeBert and Spencer Dinwiddie and Joe Harris. Uh, player development is going to be key for the Bulls, especially since it might take a few years before they become a free agent destination. I hope that maybe Kenny gets a fair shake. Those four might be the best ones. Um, part of, there, there are more candidates, too, on... Jasmine Winbish, she is from NBCSports.com. She wrote a great article about seven potential candidates. Those are probably the three, the four top ones that I have. Now, Bob, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a quick break in here because I got our man Dominique Austin on here. Uh, he is a Seattle native, and of course, the Bulls star player Zach Levine uh, is from the Seattle, Washington area. Uh, Dominic, I know I don't know if you follow basketball still so as close as we used to. What what do you th- did you hear anything from back home? Do you think that Levine was unhappy at all with Bowen. Do you think he, he would be better suited on another team? Or do you think Levine should stay in Chicago as a Seattle guy? As a Seattle guy, I mean, to, to be honest with you, um, I haven't been following basketball a whole lot this year, um, or even last year. I was, I've been busy, but I mean, I think Zach Levine, you know, he, if you get the right coach in there to who can build the team around him, um, I think that he would be able to, to do something with the Chicago Bulls. Um, I mean, the Chicago Bulls, they, they, I mean, I, I feel like they picked up a lot of uh, folks from Seattle in the past. I, I believe uh, Jamal Crawford, Dave Robinson played through there. Um, I think they have a lot of potential um, if they get the right guy. And Bob, just to give my man Dominic more props, um, Dominic years ago told me about Zach Levine even before he was at UCLA. He yep. also told me about another championship guard, Peyton Siva. Uh, who played for Louisville and briefly for the Detroit Pistons. So Bob Dominic is another guy like us that has a lot of in-depth knowledge about, and especially his hometown. And so we, since we're talking about that, I know Bob, I'm kind of cutting short here with the Jim Bowling thing, uh, but we, you wanted to talk to me earlier, Bob, kind of off air about uh, Michael Porter Jr. Can you tell us about his emergence so far in the bubble? 
Um, uh, I think Michael Porter Jr., man, I, he when he comes to Seattle, what, in 2000, I think it was 16, 17, and, you know, he, he and his brother, uh, Jonte Porter, was the talk of the town, um, you know, as the number one recruit in the nation. Um, he came through in the Metro League, man, with Rainier Beach High School, Garfield, Franklin, uh, you know, at that time, Nathan Hill. Um, I think they were like, what, 1-29 and 29 the year before he came there, wow. and then went 30-0. and 0. Um, you know, he had uh, Brandon Roy as head coach, um, PJ Fuller on the team, Jonte Porter, himself. Um, you know, in a couple of uh, they had a they had a nice squad. You know, I think they were about what six, seven deep. Um, and and they they tore up, I would say they tore up the nation. Um, wow. you know, I, I was you know, look excited, you know, to see what he could do in college. However, you know, his, his uh college career was set, cut short, but man, what do you have like 34 the other night? Um, Absolutely. What he's, doing, what he's doing in the bubble is, is, I would say, long awaited. <laughs> you long know, awaited. And I think I think he's going to be, you know, the next superstar. Uh, LeBron James may retire in what five years when his son gets in the league, and then and then I think Michael Porter is up next. Bob, how do how do you feel about that? Uh, Dominic made some strong, valid points there, uh, Bob. And I, I also was listening to one of um, all the smoke, the podcast with Stephen Jackson and Matt Barnes from December. And they were even giving high praise. Uh, they were almost comparing Michael jo- uh, Michael Porter Jr. then to like a Lamar Odom type with that size and that ability to handle the ball, to uh, fluidly run a, run a break, to shoot the lights out. I think both of you guys know that I think he's an underrated jump shooter. Bob, what do you think that Michael Porter Jr.'s potential could be? Well, Theus to Dominique, I, I do think he's he could be a star. He's already put multi 30-point games. He's done double-digit rebounds. He, he just has a good two-man game going with Nikola Jokic, and those two guys could make that team go. I was very disappointed when the Bulls didn't draft him um, because at number seven, it's really hard getting a star. You're not – with, with um, scouting becoming better and people valuing skill and what you've done more than potential sometimes, they – you're not going to have a Steph Curry fall down to number seven anymore. So I was hoping right. you can you can stash him for a year because he's healing from his back, and you're not going to go anywhere in 2018, 2019. So take a chance on him because he's he has the skill, but he also has that high upside. So he kind of has both instead of one or the other. And um, Wendell Carter, I think is going to be a good player, but if if this is a preview of what Michael Porter Jr. is going to do, he's going to smoke him. And Bob, if I'm right, I, I, I spoke to Dominique off the air. Now, Bob, correct me if I'm wrong. Did you actually have a chance to interview Michael Porter Jr. at the All-American game here in Chicago a few years ago? Or was I thinking of something else? Well, <laughs> you're, that, that's a few years back. I, I did it in 2012. But I, I have 2012. Been, okay. Yes. So I've, but I've been familiar of um, the Porters for years. Um, I'm a big fan of Slam Magazine. That's a great way to learn about the game, especially high school, college, and street ball levels. And they were singing his praises when he was a sophomore or junior, I think, in, in high school. So, um, I mean, I'm excited to see that he's doing very well. And I know his brother has a lot of potential, too. So we'll see what comes next for them. Yeah, and I was telling Dominic off the air, Bob, that uh, he recently, right before the COVID shut down the league, uh, he had signed with the Memphis Grizzlies. And I'm not sure. I think I saw him in the two preseason bubble games. He had a nice dunk. So maybe we will get to see uh, Javante uh, Porter in the playoffs if he's on their active playoff roster. Uh, but, Bob, to close out the segment, um, I was going to give you my surprise candidate. I talked to another 
another college of the page chaperone alum, uh, Matthew Wells, uh, who's also a sports writer. And he gave me a surprise uh, candidate for the Bulls. I know it's a stretch, uh, guys, but he also mentioned Jawan Howard. Uh, Jawan Howard did have a strong coaching first season at Michigan. Uh, they kind of fell off as the season went on as the Big Ten play intensified. Bob, what do you think that would do for the Chicago fan base? You know how excited they were to have Derrick Rose as a player. Uh, also, when it, the youngest MVP in NBA history in 2011. How would the Bulls fans and Chicago react to having one of their own uh, be a head coach finally for the Chicago Bulls? Well, he's he's a part of the Fab Five. That that would be just super legendary. He he's the first guy I believe who had a a hundred thousand a hundred million dollar contract in the NBA, and he was an all multi-time All Star. And I do think a lot of players would respect him. A lot of young guns and a lot of veterans who might come at in free agency. So it would be a good move. That might be a little difficult because he is very well compensated with Michigan. So it depends if Reinstorf wants to pay up. And Bob, I appreciate uh, that segment. And I'm going to end the segment in a different way because I got our man Dominique on here. I know it's the summertime, guys. I know we, we all grew up sometimes watching like the Globetrotters and ESPN and Rucker Park. But Dominique, you put me on years ago to something that I've always followed since then. And Dominique, since we didn't get to see the summertime basketball, we got a couple minutes left. Can you briefly tell us about the Kingdom Classic and what's that meant to you as a, a native of Seattle and Washington? I know you told me you got to see all the great players like Brandon Roy, uh, Jamal Crawford, uh, Peyton Siva, Gary Payton Jr. And can you tell us what the, the Kingdom Classic is and, and what you can expect from it if you see it again? Um, Kingdom Classic. Uh, I didn't I didn't grow up watching the, the Kingdom Classic, but, um, you know, of course, the AAU tournament, you got, uh, yeah. you know, Seattle Rotary. Um, Northwest Panthers up there, and then of course you got the. I know a lot of the Harwell classics um, with with Garfield Rainer Beach. Um, I'm over two guys. I, I'm getting all my facts wrong today. We're going to edit that out. I got Bob's fact. I got Dominic, so I'm over two right now. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I'm right now, y'all. It, um, you know, but uh, but what I want to say though, you know, because I like to plug you, because you know, high school basketball up here is my thing, man. Um, I, I just wanted to, you know, because you all in myth, what Midwest don't think that people up in Seattle can hoop. I think, you know, uh, just put you on right now. Hey, hold on, hold on, hold on, man. Sean Kemp was my favorite player ever. You know, he's from the Midwest, <laughs> from Indiana. But, yeah. you, know, you know, I love the Sonics, Dominique. Yeah, I know. And I think, uh, was Jamal Kidd's at, uh, is he at? No, no he's not at, uh, Dennis Rodman's son is at, at uh, Washington State University. Um, I thought yeah. Jamal Kim was no, he wasn't. But Dinner Rock. Well, you know, Robinson. you know, uh, Dominic, one of, one of uh, Bob's favorite players is your guy, Jamal Crawford. I know Jamal Crawford's son is almost of age, uh, hooping somewhere. Yeah, yeah I'm uh, now I'm about to put you on. He's hooping at Rainer Beach. Um, okay, but but man, that, that's your high school or no? No, I went to Franklin. I went to Franklin. Right. So, so well, you, you, you know, and Nate Robinson were cool. Jason Carey. Uh, yeah, I ran track with him. SCAA back in the day. Um, wow. You know, Jason Carey went to there. Peyton Siva. Um, you know, we had a couple of, of, of good, uh, Aaron, uh, uh, what's that boy? Aaron name? Brooks, right? Aaron Brooks, yes, Aaron Brooks. The basketball won, player, uh, not the football player from the Saints, not, right? Not the football player. He won state <laughs> in 2002. Um, yeah. yeah, man. But but watch out for Paulo Branchero, man. He's probably going to be a force to reckon with. He's going to be the number one player in the nation for the class of 2021. He's Can you say his name right again? Paulo Branchero, most likely going to be a first round, uh, I would say a number one draft pick. 
wow. for 2022. I can say that right now. Um, we could bet money. <laughs> um, you know, but also look for, you know, Jaden McDaniels. Uh, he played at Fred Away High School, my little brother. Um, man, he, he's a killer. He played at uh, University of Washington last year. And then Nolan Hickman, he's a senior in high school, class of 2021. Um, got offered from Arizona, uh, UW, uh, I believe Arizona State. Um, he's a, about 6'3 guard. Man, he's beast. Unbelievable. Yeah. How, how, how is your brother doing, Dominique? Is he still playing pretty well? Yeah, he's playing pretty well, man. He just left uh, North Idaho College right now. And then I think, you know, just due to COVID, um, we're going to take a year off to train. And then next year, hopefully, um, you know, figure out a place to go. I'll definitely keep you updated. Yeah, Bob, just so you know, D- Dominique again, his little brother is. How old is your brother now, uh, Dominique? He's, he's 20. Uh, 20, 20 he's a junior, he'll be a junior in college. Um, okay. You know, play North at North Idaho, I, at North Idaho Community College. Um, he's killer. Okay. I'll definitely send you his uh, highlight tape, man. After this. So Bob, he just got done talking about the Midwest, but I mean, Dominique himself came to Chicago. Now his brothers in Idaho. Why are these Seattle guys not staying up there in the Pacific Northwest? Why do you want to come down uh, here and who? <laughs> I think, <laughs> man. I mean, I, I don't know. It's like you know, we're trying to keep them home. Uh, I you mean, know, you, you guys love these potatoes. I mean, even Coach, Michael Porter Jr. is down here in Denver, man. What's going on? Right. I was about to say, Coach Romar was good at it, man. Michael Porter Jr. was supposed to be playing at the University of Washington, but, you know, they had to let Coach Romar go. But, um, you know what? I think, you know, when you when you grow up in Seattle, man, some, sometimes you just got to go, uh, you know, got to leave to make it to where you want to go, right? Um, look at, you know, everybody who went to Louisville. You know, we had, like, what, four or five players that go to, to go to Louisville. Um, wow. Actually, I don't, that's random, you know. Uh, I think University of Washington and Washington State now are intentionally trying to recruit uh, kids. I would say even in Portland, you know, to stay in the Pacific Northwest. Um, look at Terrell Brown, who played for, you know, Seattle U last year, but he left to go to He's Arizona. He's a heck of a player. Yeah, he is. Man. And he was a walk-on. I hope Did you know that? He was a walk-on. I did not know that. Yeah, Bob, if you yeah. ever say Terrell Brown, it's not my cousin. Same last name, but he, he's one heck of a ball player. Yeah, he. I think what average twenty five at Seattle U. Yeah, yeah, he's under underestimated. Yeah, average twenty five, man. Uh, definitely underrated. So, um, but man, I mean, we're trying to keep. I think it's gonna be a huge shift. Uh, I don't know if you've been following everything that's going on in the racial climate, but I think kids might be going to HBCUs now in the future. Absolutely, yeah. Me and Bob actually touched on that during our uh, our like a preseason episode. Where we talked oh, about okay. Thon Ma- uh, Thon Maker's brother. Uh, who's yeah. going to attend, I believe he's going to attend Howard. Um, yeah. I recently, um, uh, Bob and Dominic, two of my cousins went to uh, Howard and Hampton, and uh, they do have some uh, t- a lot of talent there as well. I mean, it's kind of little be known, but Markel Folks almost went to Hampton instead of going uh, to Washington. I don't know if you knew that. Uh, oh, I didn't know that. Dominic. Yeah, Markel Folks has a lot of, he's from the D.C. area and almost chose Hampton or Howard just to stay with our Seattle theme. So okay. th- there's a lot of, and then you got the kid in, in USC, Mikey Williams, who was, yeah. you know, some people say better than LaMelo Ball right now, Bob. He's a junior in high school in California. He, and he had a, people so he think he'd be the number one pick right now. Yeah, Mikey, Mikey Williams, he's a, he's, a pit, he's a beast. He's a beast. And he's only a freshman. Well, Bob, any, any final comments for Dominique in this, in this segment? Well, well, Dominique, you say that you love high school basketball, especially in the Seattle area, and you mentioned three guys to look for in the future. Can you tell us what you like specifically about their games, which you think would translate to the next levels? 
Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, I'll start with uh, Paulo Branchero. He's a what seven foot one uh, wow. guard. He's a guard. Uh, can shoot three. Can shoot. Can dribble. Um, can shoot mid range and goes to the rack whenever you know when needed. Uh, I would say Nolan Hickman is a walking bucket. Like literally, he's a walking bucket. Uh, like I say, he's six foot three. Like a KFC um, like, bucket or like a big old uh, Popeyes bucket. Man, I, I wouldn't even put him in the fast food category. Man, it's like you go to a, you go to a home and they they make a bucket there with you, like with the chicken on the on the, on the from the property and everything. They kill him and oh, you know do man. all that and serve it right up to you. Um, but like yeah, everybody he, home. Yeah, he's he's a he's a legit scorer. Um, you know, definitely very intelligent kid. Plays at Eastside Catholic. Um, I think they they won state last year. One state, um, you know, very very intelligent kid. You know, and his handles is, is crazy. Um, and then Jaden McDaniel's, I would say he's what six foot eleven, six foot eleven, a guard, uh, six foot eleven guard. Um, I think he averaged what twenty five points in high school, averaged twenty points at the University of Washington. Can shoot, you know, a three point shot. Can shoot mid range. Um, you know, I think I would say his size. Um, he, you know, he's kind of small and, and has some definitely some uh, some some mass to put on before he can uh, definitely compete in in the NBA. But um, I think he was what drafted. I would say what second round or late late second round uh, this year. Or yeah. or he will be. No, no. I mean, actually, no. My, the draft hasn't even happened. That was his brother. I'm talking about last year. His brother yeah, was drafted absolutely. actually last year, um, and he's projected to go uh, definitely first round this year. Gotcha. Um, and, uh, and and closing then, uh, Bob, I'm going to ask Dominic because he's a Seattle native with uh, kind of a spinoff. Dominic, when you growing up, uh, who were the who are the top? Um, I'm going to say give me your top four, your top four guys that you wanted. Like, I know you played football and basketball too in track, but who, who are uh-huh. your top four guys you wanted to be like? Not, not just in basketball, but in all sports. You think, who in are the top four sports? guys in athletics from Seattle? Bo Jack, oh, from Seattle? Yeah, from Seattle. Oh, from Seattle, uh, Nate Robb's on there. Okay. Uh, I think Nate Robb is actually number one. Okay. Um, Nate Robb, uh, I would say Jamal Crawford's up there. Um, Corey Dillon. I mean, I mean, I'm getting to other, you know, other sports as well. Corey yeah, that's Dillon. what I said. Anybody, any Corey Dillon, the running back for the Bengals and Patriots. That like from the Bengals, he's yeah. a beast. Yeah, and then uh, a kind of underrated guy that y'all might not heard of. Uh, his name is Jesse Chapman. He was the uh, he was running back for San Diego Chargers. I have to um, look that name in, up. In 2002, he was he, it's Jesse Chapman. Every time I play Madden. He was the second string. I would put him. I would start him, um, just because you know I knew him personally, and you know he was a good guy, and um, you know was really close to my family. So, um, so I would say those those four. Well, Dominic, again, we appreciate you being on mm-hmm. uh, for our first segment. Uh, we're gonna Definitely. go ahead and finish the recording for the, our this first segment of the episode, and you, I will send you the links. So you can definitely rejoin us for the second uh, the second segment as well. But Dominic, I, will, I appreciate you again. And Bob, just in closing, quickly, can can you give me your uh, your top four guys from Chicago that you grew up watching? Thirty <laughs> seconds. That's very tough, but um, I would say Michael Jordan and Dennis Rodman for sure. Uh, Sammy okay. Sosa, I love Sammy Sosa. And on the Bears, it's tough. Maybe we go Erlacher. Erlacher. Ooh, Erlacher. He was a beast. Yeah. In fifteen seconds, beast. I I'll give you mine from Omaha for 
I'll go Gail Sayers, Bob Gibson. Watch out for Terrence Crawford, the, the best boxer in the world. And I'm going to go with uh, Bob Boozer. Thank you, everybody. I have uh, from NBA.com. Um, I just saw across the feeder that it said that in Sacramento, Vlade Divac, the general manager, has stepped down as the, their uh, president and general manager. Um, he will be replaced by the interim, uh, former NBA champion, former all-star, Hall of Famer, NBA 50 great, and also led the Detroit Pistons to the 2004 NBA championship and executive, Joe Dumars. Bob, how do you feel about this change in Sacramento? I thought Vladi Divac was going to stay because of I, I was reading articles, Theus, about how the Kings, along with the Bulls, had financial issues because of COVID and how these executives or coaches could stay because of the uncertainty plus the lost revenues with fans not in the stands. Uh, it would be a great, I mean, that's a great move having Joe Dumars be there. Hopefully, he can have that for a full time basis. As somebody who knows the game, he, you got to remember, I was reading uh, Michael Jordan's biography, and Jordan respected Dumars. So, I mean, if you get Michael Jordan's respect, you, you know the game of basketball. And if he had a huge role in that Pistons team that upset the Lakers back 16 years ago, I think he could help turn around the Kings. I mean, having De'Aaron Fox and some other uh, young players there, you could turn that team around. Yeah, that roster is kind of a hogsposh, Bob. I know they have, like you said, a point guard in place. To me, just briefly, I'm just saying, in my point of view, they have a lot of similar players. They got a lot of my Duke guys on that roster, Harry Giles, and uh, some. Other, they don't seem to mesh together. They've got probably, I think, the most underrated shooter in the NBA, uh, Brodvin Boganovich, not to be confused with Oigan Boganovich in uh, Utah and Indiana. But that kid is just a pure shooter. I think fans got to see him on a national level and he the start the game. 2019 when he hit seven threes and he always does well in the Olympics but I think in closing on that subject Bob I think D-Box's downfall was him admitting that he did not draft Luka Doncic because of some past beef that he had with his father uh, back from their playing days in Serbia I wow. think that if he would have alone and never admitted that I mean think about that but that'd be like saying you know if Isaiah Thomas when he was running the Knicks if he went to Jordan if Michael Jordan's one of his sons would have turned out like him and Isaiah Thomas chose not to draft one of those kids because of their beef I mean that's I think that's probably what has done Vladi Divac in is that that has been you know made public record that doesn't sound like a good GM move well I mean you gotta do the smart thing based off scouting you you can't just do it off emotions right and Bob this week we've, we've touched on uh, this is like the second and a half week in the bubble in the NBA uh, Giannis, we saw, uh, we saw Giannis go WWEF style and like I don't know if he wanted to be the macho man Randy Savage or if he thought he was George the Animal Steel and wanted to headbutt Mo Wagner a lot of people in the sports industry and other teams around the league think that the NBA was kind of soft on Giannis only giving him a one suspension uh, a lot of people throughout the basketball world think that if they want to really send a message to Giannis I mean the game before that 
We tried to, we saw him try to fight Dante Abrams of the Brooklyn Nets to pretend to. Don't you think it would have been more substantial if NBA would have spending him for one the final regular season game and the playoff game to really send a message? I, I do think that. I'm wondering too if part of it is going to be just the draw Giannis is. I mean, yes, the Bucks have great a great team together, but Giannis is what draws eyes to the product, and without him in a playoff game, no one's no one's going to tune into that in the Magic if he's not playing. So I do agree with you, Theus. At least if you look for a moralistic viewpoint, it would have been better to do that. But they're just trying to protect their um, ratings right now, which they need when COVID has destroyed, you know, some of the viewership and some of the advertising revenue that comes in. So. I, I'm kind of pro Giannis. I do think maybe Wagner did something to piss him off to to do that because we know he's he's more of a mild mannered guy. So we'll, we'll see. Absolutely, we'll see what comes out months from now when maybe people have their true feelings on this. But um, I think the NBA right now is trying to protect their bottom line. Yeah, and I know Giannis is a uh, you know he's a professing Christian. I know you know about his struggle uh, from being you know hawking jewelry in Greece from Nigeria to get to Greece with his mother and his family. Uh, and I know how tight-knit their family is. And I know that he's always adamant about, you know, along with, and that's why a lot of people do root for the Bucks, not to make it a religious point, but I know that, you know, he and Chris Middleton is one of the, uh, like the leaders of the Christian athletes in the NBA. And also my man from uh, Pella, Iowa, Kyle Corbett, is a strong believer in his faith and also does a lot. So a lot of people do root for Giannis in that way because of his faith, he is a man of God. And uh, hopefully, you know, everything will turn out well in that situation. Uh, Bob, also in this week in the bubble in the NBA, uh, they are starting to adjust to the climate, so to speak. And now they are, for the playoff push, allowing players only, uh, their families or their children to come into the bubble. Uh, I believe they can. They started this on Wednesday or Tuesday this week. The key thing, Bob, in this is that they have to, the people have to quarantine for about until I think August 29th. So once they get down there, just like in the, like the, the parameters have kind of been set in the nation, with the COVID-19 and the coronavirus, that if you're traveling on an airplane, you have to wait, you know, 14 days of quarantine. Uh, Bob, how do you feel this will maybe help the mental state of some of the players just having their family around or just kind of get helping? I hate, I don't really like the word normalcy, but trying to get things to a familiar uh, level in life. It, it definitely helps, Theus. I mean, these, these guys, at least when their family's able to see them, they wouldn't have seen them in about two months, I think. And it, I mean, we have to remember, I think some people think that basketball players or other athletes in other sports are just avatars or a video game character or just like a number. But we have to remember the, these guys are these, you know, they're people. And we want to try to be as accommodating as possible. I mean, just think about if any of us had some kind of job and we couldn't see our family and two months or even longer i mean it's gonna wear on our mental health so i think it's a good thing uh i'm glad the nba is being smart about this having them quarantine to try to protect the integrity of the bubble because so far it's it's worked the last three weeks we're all human beings bob everybody makes mistakes of course the nba so far we saw sacramento kings with sean holmes get quarantined it is is a grubhub meal or is uber eats or whatever it was um, and also, we have seen, you know, Lou Williams make his mistake as well. Uh, but getting on to the, M- the NBA about the bubble thing, we saw yesterday a Seattle 
and I'm, I'm not trying to point out Dominic's listening, so I'm not taking a shot at his Seahawks. But uh, we saw a young man. I hope I'm saying his name right. Kimon Servran, a rookie undrafted free agent for the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, I believe had minuscule numbers and had a chance of a lifetime to make NFL roster. Released and cut from the Seahawks for trying to sneak a woman into the NFL hotel bubble dressed as a player. Uh, no, he was immediately released by Pete Carroll. Do you think we'll have some of those same shenanigans? I know the NBA has kind of set up this long list of guidelines saying that the NBA players have to be in a relationship, quote unquote, with these people so they cannot know them just on social media. They can't have any Instagram models, uh, Facebook DM groupies, or anything, uh, Twitter thoughts or anything like that. What do you think will happen, Bob, in, in the NBA? You don't think somebody's Aunt Thelma will come in dressed up as a 24-year-old? <laughs> well, I mean, w- when you have people in an equation, that that could just have so many different outcomes. But I do think, you know, the playoffs are starting, and especially if you get to round two, round three, it's going to be very tight. Maybe there could be some chicanery going on, especially with teams that think they might not have that much of a chance, like the Magic. But, I mean, I do think... The NBA players, for the most part, have been professional, and they do know that if if a lot of people come in and maybe destroy the integrity of that bubble, you're not going to finish the season, and it's going to hurt the whole league. League, and I mean, I think right now what they want to do is try to make sure everybody is is as healthy as possible and getting these revenue dollars because that's going to be better for the future of the league. Absolutely. Bob, and my New Orleans Pelicans have been eliminated from the playoffs to my chagrin and disdain. Uh, I'm not going to get on my soapbox about Alvin Gentry and whoever else. Uh, of course, Bob, I'm a Duke Blue Devil fan in college basketball. I have seen a streak come to an end. Uh, I did my pouting and crying at home in the solace of my home. My guy, J.J. Redick, Bob, entered the league in 2006. I believe, as reports, he still had the longest streak, even longer than LeBron because LeBron didn't make the playoffs last season. J.J. Redick, every year of his career from 2006 to 2009 had made the NBA playoffs. Uh, Here's a guy that's averaged 15 points a game for his career, has made close to 1,900 three-pointers at a 40% clip, Uh, you know, has played the NBA Finals with Orlando Magic as a young guy in 2009, Uh, probably should have made the All-Star team with the Lob City Clippers. Uh, did a great job. I think did more than Admiral uh, last few seasons trying to get the Sixers over the hump. Uh, our favorite duo to bash and beating the Simmons couldn't do it, but Reddick provided great leadership there. Bob, and I know you've spoken many times off the air about how, how you thought that Reddick also was a great mentor at this time. Um, he did spend a short stand in Milwaukee Bucks early in his career, but he has really been instrumental in helping, you know, his former, his, also his fellow Duke guys, Zion Williamson, Jaleel Okafor, Frank Jackson, all these guys on the Pelicans that have those Duke brotherhood and ties, along with the, the general manager, Trajan Langdon. Can you talk more about what you, how you think he has been instrumental in New Orleans to guys like Lonzo Ball, especially with helping him with his jump shot and everything like that? Lonzo Ball, his jump shot was broke his first couple years. And just working with JJ, you, you can see the growth, especially when the second half of the year flipped. He did great maybe about 10 games before Zion came in. And when I watched those primetime games, you saw him do half-court and three-quarter court. 
uh, alley oops to Zion, which were fantastic to watch. And I mean, I think he's done a lot to help that young man's confidence, trying to be all he can be. And JJ is part of just a lot of the older NBA players, Kobe at the time, just mentoring Hakeem, just trying to make the league grow to be better. And I think JJ gets that. He's somebody I can see maybe being a coach or a GM down the line because he just cares about the game. And I'm just glad that he's paying it forward and uh, making people like Lonzo reach their potential. Bob, I lied. I'm going to get on my soapbox for the last 30 seconds. So the, I love the New Orleans Pelicans because they, their team is equated with all my Duke Blue Devils. Again, Trajan Langdon is a general manager. Uh, he was a big-time player in the, in the late 90s for Duke. I believe he was the first Alaskan in the NBA. He was 11th overall pick by the Cleveland Cavaliers. Had a great career overseas. I wonder, Bob, at this point, Trajan Langdon, uh, an excellent three-point shooter, uh, J.J. Redick, probably one of the greatest three-point shooters in NBA history. Tell me, what do you do? You think, do we see some difference? In, and even, I forgot my guy, I'm sorry. Brandon Ingram, who was an all-star, B.I., went from L.A. I feel like LeBron threw him under the bus. That's my only beef with LeBron, kind of holding those kids hostage, getting Anthony Davis there. Um, but, I mean, look at Brandon Ingram's growth. He went from being a guy that the Lakers gave up on to averaging 24 points a game and being an all-star, and he improved his jump shot. Do you think it's a case where Zion is not listening? And we see the we see the examples all around of all those players improving that one skill, the jump shot, and Zion still seems to struggle. I with think that. it's gonna come, Theus. He is such a talented player. He he has the intelligence where he understands uh, the game of basketball. He he can dribble a bit. He's very fast. He he's one of the best off-ball players for a young man that I've seen for such a long time. And I do think shooting is gonna come, especially if JJ works with him. The shooting coaches do too. I think it just takes time. He did have an article. There was an article I read where he wants to work on his body and his game this offseason, trying to get healthy, drop some weight, and just improve his skill. And he's the type of person that I know is dedicated to the game. And to our live listeners out there, to Dominique, to Megan, to Andre, to Brian, uh, I want to thank Bob last week. Bob is a little more popular than what he wants to lead on and believe. Bob is a frequent guest on a national basketball podcast called Basketball by Association. Uh, he did the special Michael Jordan episode number 23. Bob, my man, gave me a shout out last week, last Friday, uh, in about the first seven minutes. So I want to thank Bob for that. If anybody enjoys listening to Bob, definitely go to uh, thebasketballwriters.com, which is currently postponed, and also go to the free radio app.com and type in basketball by association. Um, and Bob is featured on episodes 10, 17, 18, 19, and last week's episode 23. Uh, so coming up in our next segment, uh, Bob will, will discuss the NBA awards and also our playoff preview. Uh, playoffs start on Monday, folks, August 17th. We'll be right back with you. Stay tuned, stay listening, stay blessed. Thank you.
Hello, everybody. Welcome back to our third and final segment. How's everybody doing out there? Doing great. Doing great. Uh, Bob, again, we're at our the final hour, the bewitching hour here. Uh, just want to briefly talk about, of course, the exciting upcoming NBA playoffs. We're at our final uh, part of the initial bubble. Uh, we have the seems to be an uh, exciting race in the West. Of course, we saw a thrilling game last night between the Portland Trail Blazers and the Brooklyn Nets. Bob, I know we spoke last week about the kind of the of the Portland Trail Blazers, some of their key role players. Uh, talk about Bob, how you feel about um, you know? I, I guess one thing my concern is that you know all the great story about Dame Lillard, you know him dropping sixty-one and fifty and forty-five. Carmelo's wonderful resurgence. Skeptics would say, Bob, that the Portland's defense, I mean, giving up that many points to a Brooklyn Nets team without Kevin Durant, without Kyrie Irving. And also, uh, to follow up with that, Bob, can you tell us about, we have a lot of people upset about the Phoenix Suns. The Phoenix Suns went 8-0 in the bubble, did the improbable, and if you look at the matchups, they're a half game outside of the playoff bubble, but yet Portland and Memphis got to play one more game than them. Well, I mean, it was very fun watching the Suns. I, I was watching them against, uh, I believe they played the Mavericks. Well, it wasn't the Mavericks. It was the Mavericks, yeah. And, I mean, they were just torching everybody and just piling on the points. Devin Booker has been a revelation in this bubble. He scored 30.5 points a game, six assists, about five rebounds. And he was shooting, Theus, get this, over 50% from the field. Now, I guess his three-point shooting was, yeah, his three-point shooting was a little off. Um, he was shooting 31%, but, I mean, he was getting to the line. He was averaging 8.4 attempts a game, but making 94% of them. And I guess his plus-minus was about 11. He, he was somebody that I think took that next step, and it'll be interesting to see if Phoenix wants to continue to build around him. Uh, your guy, Aiton, did a good job, I, I think, in the bubble. And, I mean, they have pieces to be an interesting team, but are they going to potentially just give up and trade him? Because we do know that Phoenix is one of the worst-run franchises in the NBA. Very true. And, Bob, we uh, thank you for everybody that's joined in on, on our last segment here uh, this Friday afternoon. Uh, Bob, Dominique wanted to make one comment. He's joined us in a, my man from Seattle. He wanted to make a comment about the bubble. Uh, Dominique, go ahead and let us know how you feel about the bubble. I, I mean, I, I agree with Bob 100% about it uh, increasing the mental stability of the players. Um, you know, they haven't seen their, you know, their family in, in such a long time. And I think that's important that they are able to interact. But however, I just don't like the idea of, of breaking something that's working. You know, because if you think about the MLB, you know, they got people, uh, players con uh, uh, getting COVID left and right. Right. I think that, you know, by allowing people to go into the bubble, you know, that's that brings potential for uh, a COVID exposure. I think, Dominique, now me and Bob did touch on this on one of our previous episodes. Yeah. Dominique, I think the key point, though, is that and my source is uh, Bob Nightingale, who's a Hall of Fame baseball writer. Both those teams, Dominique and Bob, who Unfortunately, you know, the players tested positive. Now think about it, just like baseball or basketball. Major League has done almost 13,000 tests and over for COVID, you know, within their month. And 97% of those tests are from those two teams. And the sources, the source says that we know the Marlins went to a, a place in Atlanta, a nightclub or something to that effect. So that's where they got it from. Mm -hmm. 
the players, Dominique, that are on the St. Louis Cardinals, uh, they went to a casino in Milwaukee on a on in the preseason game. So I again, I, I guess we know that the severity of the the virus is real, and I think that Major League has kind of been taking shots from the public and from around the sports world. But again, like we tell people in everyday life, we know where the source. It didn't have anything to do with playing baseball. These are all uh, consequences from decisions that you know sometimes people make in the moment they want to live their normal life or whatever we deem normal. But again, baseball, I think, has done a great job because think about it again, guys, they're traveling. You know, up there in Seattle, uh, Dominic the Manor is going from California to Seattle to such and such. Bob's Cubs are going to St. Louis to Milwaukee. They're actually getting on airplanes and leaving, going place to place. And they've got, you know, I don't know how many, 26 guys on a roster for 30. T- so they've got a lot more testing they to worry about. It's true. It's 100%. That was the end of my five minute I apologize. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I didn't know those uh, the facts um, behind that, but I mean, yeah. just just bringing you know people out from outside into the bubble. I think that you know that has potential, a lot of potential for uh, a COVID outbreak. I just want to see somebody bomb. I want to see somebody try to sneak in a two women in a dress and a seven <laughs> like in a, in a five. You know what I mean, like Robin Williams style. You know what I mean? You got some kind of you know, Miss Miss Nanny or something. They're trying to say that's their seven foot grandma on his three, <laughs> three women, Orlando Knight. I'm losing control. I'm sorry. I apologize. Well, well Nick, what do you think about? Um, were there any performances you really liked during the bubble? Man, <laughs> so so I don't I don't know if uh, Mr. Brown told you, but I live in Portland right now. Well, actually, uh, I just moved to Portland back in 2018. I went to Oregon State University for my uh, my master's degree, but my team is the Portland Trailblazers. So my guy Damian Lillard putting up 51, 61. Um, you know, I think I think right now the Portland Trailblazers has the best offense in the bubble. Um, you know, I can almost say that they have the best offense in the league. You know, we kind of lack on defense, but you know, you got Gary Trent Jr., um, you got Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum, uh, um, you know, Yusuf Nurkic, uh, even Carmelo Anthony. You know, is putting up 20, 25 points. Um, yeah, so the performance that I've been watching the most uh, has got to be Dane. How excited is the city up there, Dominique? I know you being there in person. I know, you know, my, Bob has been in, and you're basically home, you know, Seattle, Washington, Portland, right next to each other. Uh, but I know Bob was here for the Cubs 2016 World Series. Me growing up in Omaha, I was around for three national championships. Can you tell us about the excitement and the buzz that's, going on in the city right now? Oh, they're going nuts. Um, you know, the, the team that we have to see first is, is the L.A. Lakers. You know, and right now everyone's thinking that we can get past the Lakers. Um, you know, well, I guess we got to see Memphis um, technically, but, you know, when we get into the playoffs, the L.A. Lakers is who we got to play. Um, the L.A. Lakers are supposed to be the best team in the league, um, you know, with LeBron and, and A.D., but, you know, right now we're feeling like we can get past the Lakers. Um, just the way that the team is really vibing, um, the work that it seems like they've been putting in a lot of work uh, uh, during the you know the COVID uh, lockdown um, because a lot of them are performing at levels that I haven't seen in a long time. I mean, even Gary Trent Jr. got up to twenty something points um, in the bubble, and you know he's coming off the bench. You hear that? You hear that, Bob? Gary Trent Jr., the former Duke Blue Devil. <laughs> I'm sorry, excuse me. 
Yeah. Um, Bob, can you now, Bob? Can you rehash that for Dominique? Because Dominique, last week, I want Bob to hit on what he was saying. He was talking about the size of uh, Nurchich and um, also with our guy Hassan Whiteside. I know Bob has done a lot of good features on Hassan Whiteside over the years from his journey from the G League. Bob, can you just rehash, kind of talk about that Portland aspect where you think that they might have the ability to kind of give Anthony Davis problems? Well, well Nick's right. I mean, I still think the Lakers are going to win that series, but maybe it could be even a six-game series. Sometimes Anthony Davis just seems lost out there, and we know he doesn't like playing in the post because he's so skilled he can stretch you out or he can roll to the basket, but he doesn't like posting. And Nurkic, uh, Whiteside, Collins, these guys are very big guys who who can keep up with him. And yes, they're not as good as him, but they just having that constant amount of bodies where you can rotate in because even if somebody gets in foul trouble as you guys know you could just rotate somebody in or if somebody is struggling you could do the same thing so it's going to be i mean the key of that series is going to be how anthony davis is going to take that onslaught bob i just think that i mean i also i look at uh, the gonzaga kid zach collins who's also coming off an injury yeah you got four guys like he was saying that down i mean that's 24 fouls and that's kind of like maybe the old method the teams used to use with Shaquille O'Neal. Uh, I don't know the exact stat, but I know that Anthony Davis is probably, you know, somewhere in the mid-70s at free throw shooting. Um, but uh, Dominic, what do you think that in the key, I know that Portland's bench is kind of light. What do you, if, if the improbable happened, Dominic, if Portland was able to upset the Lakers outside of Damian Lillard and CJ McCall and Carmelo, who, who and outside of maybe Gary Trent, because he's played well in the bubble, is there somebody else that we should look for? Like somebody on that? Is it Anthony Simmons? Is it somebody on the bench that would surprise the nation? Uh, on the bench that would surprise the nation. Um, you know, I, I kind of want to say Anthony. I like the kid. I think you know, last year, um, the very last game, he put up what fifty-one points um, against Sacramento Kings, and and uh, so I, I like him. And I, I really so, uh, uh, wait a minute, but now, Bob. Now this guy's told me off air that he had been, he needed to be refreshed and I had him watch. But he's coming out with more stats than Chris Bassard and Stephen A. Smith. <laughs> this guy Dominique is laying in the woods, man. I mean, I just, bro, like when I say Portland's my team, bro, Portland is my team, and I'm, you know, I'm it's, good with numbers. Um, so, Dominique, you're not, you're not sitting there wearing, a, you're not wearing a, a Portland onesie right now, are you? <laughs> no, I got some Portland shorts on though. My mother-in-law. Got All right, I'm just making on. sure now. I'm sure you just got done conducting a Zoom conference call with a master's program with a onesie. I don't know. <laughs> Not yet, man. Not yet. Probably in the future. Um, but like I said, All you right. know, Anthony season he put up you know 51 against uh, Sacramento Kings. That was the last season, so uh, we were expecting a lot from him this summer. Um, I kind of like you know Gary Trent Jr. He's you know kind of risen to that number you know that point guard off the bench. Um, or that guard off. Duke the Blue Devils. Oh, sorry. Excuse me. I lost control. <laughs> um, but but you know, I think you know, just looking at the previous years, um, I, I would say you know, even last year, um, granted, Dame hit that you know game winner on on was it Russell Westbrook? He didn't really hold you know his his stature you know in the la- in the uh, last round against um, the Golden State Warriors. Um, you know, he wasn't really producing. So, you know, hopefully we get a, you know, performance from him. We need a huge performance from him in the playoffs, um, as well as CJ. But, you know, coming off the bench, you know, hopefully we can get some from Hassan Whiteside, um, you know, your Zach Collins, um, you know, and, and Anthony. And even, I wouldn't even say Mario, I don't even know how to pronounce it, Hassana? 
Hazonia. Mario Hazonia. And even, you know, Mario Hazonia, you know, hopefully they could come in and, and fill the starting roles when, you know, our starters got to get some rest. Bob, Dominique made excellent points about uh, definitely what we're anticipating in the first round of playoffs. Bob, can you go over it briefly about what do you anticipate uh, to start on August 17th? I guess to start, who do you expect to win the playing game, uh, Memphis or Portland? It's got to be Portland right now. Dame smelling blood. I mean, remember that shot he had over Paul George in the playoffs? I mean, I, I'm a I'm a ramp, but Jaw is not at that point to stymie that tide that is Dame Lillard. I think John Moran's going to get education that he's not going to like. I guess. What was that song? Was it out by Lauren Hill, Miss Education? I think that's what John Moran's going to get this weekend. Uh, and then he's going to be screaming for Zion. That was also another song off the Lauren Hill album. And they were, they were going at it, though, a couple uh, last week. John Moran and, and Dan Hill were going at it. Last week, but I. I think I think John Morant's gonna get what does Russell Westbrook do? Rock, rock the baby. I think that's what John Morant's gonna get come this weekend. Yeah, I'm really um, excited, guys. Like, it, it, oh, sorry. I'm I'm really excited of Dallas and the Clippers. Um, a few. I think it was um, on the sixth. The Clippers faced the the Mavericks, and actually, Paul George produced. I mean. He's going to be very key for them to have a good playoff run. The last two or three years, he's had injuries or other issues that made it where he was ineffective in the playoffs. But if he's not the invisible man, him and Kawhi are going to be something, some kind of force in the playoffs. But Dallas, too. Dallas and them, that's going to be a closer 2-7 series than we usually see. Bob, I know you hit on earlier about Anthony Davis consistently showing up in the playoffs. Um, Bob, can you briefly speak on, I know you want to speak on Paul George, and I think those are two keys for the L.A. teams is one, you know, Anthony Davis playing big every night. And can you talk about what your thoughts about Paul George and the Clippers? When when all of them are healthy, because Montrose Harrell was playing and uh, Lou Williams, and they just look like a great team. They, they can put the points up on you, but they could also stifle you. And it, it's going to be very important for uh, them to just to be one, and I mean, I think that uh, I just think that they need Paul George to be who he can be, even if it's like 90% Paul George, because when he plays where it's almost like he's a bit player, at least on the offensive end, there's no way the Clippers can overpower some of these teams. Kawhi is a great player, but we know too, he has his injury issues. So they need to be a one-two punch, not like, 1.25 absolutely Dominique can we ask you my brother who, who do you think who do you think uh, will be in the NBA finals for the playoffs who do you think out of east and the west <sighs> that's tough that's real tough you know I, I, I would I would love to see um, Milwaukee and and the Clippers um, but I think okay. you know what's really gonna you know yeah I, th- I would say that I would say Milwaukee and the Clippers they, okay. Yeah, Bob, I, I would love to see that. Bob, Dom, Bob, Dominic, I'm changing my pick, Bob. Uh, I've closely evaluated the bubble. I apologize to my godson, Braylon Parks, out there. If you listen, little man, man, I'm, I'm going against your Celtics. I've changed. Um, I'm going to go with the Toronto Raptors to make it out of East. Whoa. I'm going to go with my country, Nick Nurse, out of Cedar Rapids, Iowa. 
Uh, Nick Nurse should be the NBA coach of the year, back-to-back years. Um, and I think that a great point was made this morning by Tommy Maddox uh, on the Dan Patrick Show. He's the senior writer of ESPN. That even though Kawhi Leonard is not still with the Toronto Raptors, his mindset and his heart and spirit is still embedded in that ball club. Uh, I told many haters last year in my short time in Philly, I was rooting for my Philly guy, Kyle Lowry, at the point guard. No, he's not the most talented. No, he doesn't have all the physical gifts in the world. But he's a winner. He's a tough, great kid. And I think that with Pascal Siakam, uh, I think he causes a lot of problems with his length. And, of course, he's an emerging all-star. But I got one thing for you guys. Of course, your homeboy Bob from Rockford, Illinois, Fred Van Fleet, you know, he's making waves happen up there. But I think that Chris Bosha, uh, watch out, remember that name. He's seven foot one, only 200 pounds, number 25. But that young man came on last year. And I think you're going to see him emerge kind of in the same trajectory as Pascal Siakam did. He's only in his third year. He only played one year, one game for the Golden State Warriors a couple years ago. He was cut. I think that motivated him last year during that series against them, that they gave up on him and he won a championship with the Raptors. But I think the thing that scares me about Boston and what made me change my pick is that their lack of scoring, their lack of shooting. I love my Duke guy, Jason Tatum. He's going to be one of the best players in the league. Jalen Brown is a strong, confident player. Kimball Walker is, I think, going to be a great uh, replacement for Kyrie. I think he's a true point guard and get all those guys involved. But I think that in the end, the veteran leadership of Marcus Saul, of Serge Ibaka, and their ability of their bigs to stretch the floor, Bob and Dominique, the bigs can shoot the mid-range shot. Gasol and Ibaka can stretch the three-point line. And I think that's something that the Celtics are missing without Al Horford. And that's my take. I think that the Raptors will come out of the East. And I'm going to I'm gonna say it, Bob. I'm changing. I'm going to go with the Los Angeles Lakers. I think somehow, some way, LeBron James is going to get them there. I think Anthony Davis will show up every night. I think the man from Philly, Deion Waiters, J.R. Smith. I think Rajon Rondo, people are sleeping on that. He'll come back eventually. I think it'll be a Lakers-Celtics. We'll get that third matchup we didn't get about 10 years ago. I mean, I, I, I would say, I mean, the, the Raptors, you got to remember, they, they won the, the championship last year. I mean, even with Fred Van Fleet, uh, I think you said Carl Lowry, and even Stanley Johnson out of uh, Arizona. Um, they, they, okay. got, they got a team. You know, they do have a team. Um, and, and they're coming off a championship last year. So I, I could see that momentum. They were seven and one in the bubble, guys. I mean, they were very, very impressive. Yeah, as bad as I want to go with the Celtics, like I said, I like the youth and I, I love Kimball Walker as a leader um, and a leader of men. I don't think, unfortunately, Kyrie Irving fits that bill. He's a phenomenal offensive talent, not a guy you really want running your ball club. He kind of stagnated the growth of those kids in Boston. You saw they played a lot better without him around. Even this year with the Brooklyn Nets, they started to play a lot better without Kyrie around, but that's for another segment, another day. Uh, Bob and Dominic, quickly, I'm going to end the segment, but we wanted to get your predictions. You guys, I'll let Bob go first about the NBA awards. Of course, these are, um, I'm going to run down the list, Dominic. I'll let Bob go first and I'll let you share your thoughts on I know you guys probably haven't watched everything, uh, but these are, are the finalists for the awards for these categories. Uh, for the MVP, uh, guys, the finalists are Giannis, LeBron, and James Harden. Uh, who do you think, uh, quickly, Bob, who will be the MVP? It's going to be Giannis. If you look at his normal stats and his advanced stats, he's had an even better year than his 
MVP year, and it's kind of similar to what Steph did about five years ago. So I, I would definitely give it to Giannis. Dominique, what do you say, my man? I, I agree. I would say Giannis. Um, I mean, despite his little interaction uh, earlier this week, I, I would say Giannis. Um, I remember watching a, an interview where he said, uh, this was last year, he said, don't call me an MVP until I win it again. Amen. That's a great point. I'm going to go with LeBron James. Uh, some of the haters always said he only could do it in the East. He's finally switched over to the West. He's number. His team is number one. Also, guys, we forget he's leading the league in assists. Hmm. All these great point guards and got the six eight old man LeBron James at almost 11 assists a game. Defensive player of the year. Uh, guys, candidates are Rudy Gobert, Anthony Davis, and Giannis Akintupe. It's going to be Giannis again. He, I believe he was leading in the defensive metrics as well. He's somebody, too, who could flash and recover guarding the post and perimeter. It, it has to be Giannis. You said defensive player of the year? Yes. Can you repeat? Uh, Rudy Gobert of the Utah Jazz, Anthony Davis, and Giannis. To be honest with you, um, I can't even make a choice there. I don't, I'm, and Dominic, I'm going to agree with you. I, I agree. I don't want to make a choice because I don't think any of those guys should yeah. be it. And I agree with you, Dominic. <laughs> I can't make a choice there. Um, rookie of the year. Uh, we got Zion Williamson, John Morant. And uh, Dominic, me and Bob have been advocating for this man uh, for the, all, all of our podcasts here. A young man from Chicago, the inner city, Kendrick Nunn. So... Again, I love Nunn's game and I love Zion, but um, Kendrick's kind of tailed off the last month, and I think part of it was injury. And then with Zion, we just didn't see enough of him. You got to go with Ja. Ja's done even better than most people thought he would do. And I think that the Grizzlies are in good hands with him, even if they don't get into the playoffs. Just to see him and Jaron Jackson Jr. and Brandon Clark in the future, I'm excited to see if the Grizzlies can get far in the playoffs. I, I would say, I would say uh, Zion. Um, you know, he granted he was out for you know the bulk of the season. Um, he put in a lot of work uh, once once he arrived. Um, you know, he, he he's a scorer. Um, you know, a team player, and I think that you know he could really get rookie of the year this year. Um, I mean, granted, they didn't make the playoffs, but, um, yeah, he, he put up the numbers. Guys, I'm sorry. I know I'm being the the advocate here, but I'm going to still stick with Kendrick Nunn. Dominic, I'm just going to run it down real quick. I know Bob's tired of me. I sound like an old woman watching a soap opera. <laughs> but Kendrick Lamar, Kendrick Nunn, I was talking about Kendrick Lamar. He could probably have a, a great album drop, too. <laughs> Dominic, this man is, is six foot two. Out of Simeon High School, the same high school as Derrick Rose, went to the University of Illinois, undrafted, 2018, went to the G League. The Golden State Warriors had him on their G League team. They let him go. The man comes into the league, wins Rookie of the Month three times, uh, gets to the Schick Rookie game. And for the bulk of the season, guys, what are we talking about in these awards? His T's on a winning team. His team had Zion didn't make the playoffs. Job barely snuck in, and the Miami Heat were number two for the bulk of the season, along with the man Jimmy Butler. So that that's it, guys. I'm glad that NBA even recognized Kendrick Nunn's greatness. Uh, he even outshined his top pick teammate Tyler Hero, who I think has a bright future. 
But I'm going all Chicago on this one. I'm going Kendrick Nunn. Kendrick Nunn, a.k.a. Kendrick Lamar. Uh, this is a weird <laughs> list, guys. The most approved player, this is kind of a bizarre list to me. Uh, they've got Bam out of Bio on this list, Brandon Ingram, Duke Blue Devils, and uh, Luka Doncic is on the most approved player list. That That's just really hard because, you know, I'm probably the biggest Luka Doncic fan out there. But, you know, as as a top... Are you really some... Are you from Slovenia, Bob? Is what you're trying to tell us? <laughs> no, no, I am not. You have Slovenian roots? I mean... <laughs> no, actually, Slovakian. So I guess we're neighbors, but... Slovakian. <laughs> but I, I can't spell either one of them, so it don't matter. <laughs> but, I mean, I, I just... I mean, he could be pink, purple, black, brown, white. I mean, this guy is such a great player. And, I mean... But I expected him to be great. Now, now his jump, he is at an MVP level, even though he's not going to get it. And it's just really hard. And that's the same thing with Brandon Ingram. These two guys were expected to be great. Now with Bam, Bam is somebody who the last couple of years have come out of nowhere. And he's somebody who has become an all-star. So just going maybe for somebody who's a wild card and becomes a mainstay in the league, I'd have to go Bam. Mr. Dominique Austin? I'm trying to figure out how Lucas Doncic is still a candidate as a, a most player you're man like That's what I said. Bruh, he was he was killed last year. That you can't do that. You just that's like going from Somebody to somebody just hit a button at the NBA office, right? Somebody got lazy. Yeah, it's like right, right. You know, it's like going from great to greater. Um shoot. Yeah. You mean I mean it is going to him. You know, I can, you know, I can advocate for we can advocate for everybody else, but it's, it's going to him. To the shock and chagrin of everybody in Duke Nation, I'm not going to pick Brandon Ingram. Um, I'm gonna give another shout out, Bob, to our guy, 305 Amari Sharp. On draft day, I told you you had a young Amari Stoudemire. I'm gonna call out my cousin Isaiah and my guy son Braylon. I called John, said he was the next Sean Kemp. But I'm going to give it to Bam out of bio, out of Kentucky. Uh, he should be the most improved player of the year. And he's going to give anybody in the first round a lot of problems. Uh, the next category is the sixth man of the year. I know Bob's going to get really excited, Dominique. You're going to have to, you're going to have to, like, turn the volume down when I say the last candidate. Uh, but the sixth man of the year, we got Lemon Pepper, Hot Wings, Lou Williams, uh, Montrez Harrell, and one of Bob's all-time favorites, Dennis Schroeder. Woo! Woo! Well, even though... Oh, there it is, Dominic. There it is. <laughs> I, I'm a fan of his game, but I would probably have to give it to Montrez Harrell. He, he's somebody who is great both ways, offensive and defensive player, and he was scoring 18 points a game. Now, Sweet Lou has gotten three awards, and, and Schroeder is somebody who puts up points, but I guess defense could be lacking from time to time with him. Montrez is just somebody who you could put in any situation he's going to come through for you. Dominic, I think Bob is sitting there with a Dennis Schroeder Germany national team <laughs> shirt on right now, and he's eating some of them same wings that Lou Williams got at the strip club. That's all I got to say about I want to get that hairstyle that Dennis has. Right, that can happen tomorrow. <laughs> Dominic, what do you got? What do you got? Uh, I mean, you got... Montrez and, and Lou coming from the same team. I think uh, you said Montrez averaged, what, 18 points a game? Um, what, seven rebounds? Lou Will averaged, what, 18 points a game, five assists? Um, I mean, and, and it's on, both on a winning team. I, I think 
it's a toss up. It, it really is a toss up between those two, um, Montrez uh, and and Lou Will. Yeah, absolutely. I think I would go. You know what? I think it's a split, and I, I'm a, I'm a, I want to first give respect to who I think is still the greatest six man of all time Jamal from Crawford. Seattle, Washington, Jamal, Jamal Crawford. That's right. The great. And my fear is, and you know what? I think, unfortunately, Lou hurt himself with what happened in the bubble. Um, so, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and give it to Montrez Harrell because uh-huh. he's on the Clippers, their winning team. But I just want to give that shout out and respect. And maybe that's for another time. I wanted to do a, I've done a few posts about that, who people thought was, because before it was Steph's dad. Steph's Curry dad, Dale Curry, was the best six man. He had won that award two uh, or maybe three times in the 90s for the Charlotte Hornets. Dale Curry was absolutely lights out. Uh, that's where he and, and Steph and Seth get it from. Seth Curry, another former Blue Devil, 2015 national champion. Sorry, I got off topic, but anyway, um, coach of the year. Coach of the year. Uh, Toronto Raptors, Nick Nurse, Mike Budden, Budenholz from Milwaukee, or Billy Donovan of the Oklahoma City Thunder? It has to be Nick Nurse. You look at how the team's done. Uh, even after a championship, you lose Kawhi Leonard, you lose Danny Green, and you've had injury problems all year with Marcus Saul missing most of the year, but the team has the second best record in the league, looked fantastic in the bubble, looked fantastic before the bubble, and just with them emphasizing defense where where my brother Sweet Lou would uh, you know, love just the aggressiveness that they have. I mean, they go to different schemes, guys, not even just game to game, but even quarter to quarter. So um, I, I just think you have to give it to Nick. Bob, what did you call your brother last week when you were watching the game film? He's, he's just an old curmudgeon. He just doesn't like the new style. He doesn't like the threes away, scoring 150 points a game. He likes the old school when like the Bulls and Lakers were getting their three-peats where you actually had defense in the post and and you just played tough. Well, I can't wait. Till I, I hope I hope when I see Lou next, I can't wait to talk to Lou next time he's in town. I can't wait. Dominique, what do you think? Oh, my oh, first and foremost, I, I, I got to say I love that word, Bob. That's the second time I've heard curmudgeon this year. Um, <laughs> Maybe the second time people have heard in their life. Yeah, right, right. I'm about to say that's the second time I learned it in my life. Um, but, but, <laughs> but, oh, my bad. Um, I would say, shoot. Um, I, I would say, uh, you know what? The Toronto Raptors. Um, say it, say it with your chest. Say it uh, with your chest. Toronto Raptors. Um, uh, I think that uh, what's his name? The coach. I forgot his name. Nick, uh, nurse, 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 nurse. Yep, Nick Nurse. Yes, sir. Nick Nurse. Nick Nurse. Um, you know, he went what forty-two, seventeen this year. For, Man, you, you know it better than me because I didn't look at that one. Okay, I think for forty-two, seventeen. Um, I think that he might, you know, he just might pull it off. Um, coach of the year, um, you know, he got it. The team's gelling, uh, seven and one in, in the bubble. Um, you know, he lost his stars, uh, with DeVar Rosen a couple years, two years ago. Um, Kawhi Leonard last year, uh, you know, and, and still has a very, you know, flourishing team. I think that, you know, he might just snag it this year. 
and that's a great point, Dominic. I'm, a, you know, I know I was an advocate of Nick Nurse, uh, I, a small town guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but guys, I, when I look at when I look at trading Russell Westbrook, when I look at um, you know trading Paul George, kind of in the same way, you got a team with a a a guy that one of my when Bob knows and Dominic knew back in the day. One of my probably my favorite current point was my favorite point guard before Damian Lillard. Uh, you trade back for him at 36 years old. Everybody's written him off. You've got a cast of a team of outside of Stephen Adams. Yeah. Not many people know. You've got an emerging star in Shea Gilgis Alexander, who Doc Rivers and the Clippers sorely did not want to give up on, mm. but they knew to get Paul George had to give up something. Um, I would I would go with uh, Billy Donovan. I think that he's done a tremendous job, especially coming from the college game and kind of helping guys break that that uh, stereotype. A lot of great college coaches have never done good in the NBA. Uh, see Rick Pitino, who did great and didn't do well. Uh, even some of the local guys, um, I'm kind of missing some names, but a lot of college coaches have not, Lon Kruger, rest in peace, just best, have not had great success in the NBA. So I think Billy Donovan, to go from winning two national championships at Florida, coming to the NBA, and get the NBA guys to buy into his system, I think that he and with a, a roster that was depleted, he should win coach. The They've year. also always made the playoffs, and I wouldn't be surprised if the Thunder make round two. That's how good of a team they are. And uh, yeah, Dominic, I don't know how you feel, but with, with Russell Westbrook probably missing one or two games, I mean Oklahoma could very easily, and I think they got to go inside, right? Because we, Dominic, me and Bob have talked about Houston last couple of weeks. You know how they play small ball and shoot a lot of threes, mm-hmm. but they don't have any size. They traded Clint Capella. So their tallest guy is like six eight. Right. Steven Adams is seven one or seven two. Can I can I tell you how I feel about Oklahoma City? Absolutely. I hope they never won a game, a championship, Uh-oh. or nothing in their existence. Because <laughs> because you know, like did somebody? What, what's going on here, man? Is man, that, you just you, up, you just uproot my team. Is your ex girlfriend from Oklahoma or what? You what's just, going on? Did Blake up, Griffin not give just, you an autograph? You just uproot my team from Seattle and and move them to Oklahoma. Oh, I forgot. Oh, man. Oh, oh I, man! I, I totally went over my head, Bob. I'm sorry, Bob. That's why I was I'm so sorry, happy. Doc. I was so happy when they got rid of uh, uh when well when uh they traded James Harden when when KD left uh when Russell Westbrook left because the team is depleting and I want them to 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 suffer. <laughs> you feel me? Well, I, I need to ask both of you gentlemen something. I, I think that's. A, I got a question for both of you, John. I want I want Dominique to go first, and I want Bob to go see if I can do it. And I want to say I want to hear Dominique's standpoint, but this is my question, uh, Bob or Dominique. What would have you heard anything, or what would it take for Seattle? I know they're working on building that arena for the the, the hockey team, mm-hmm. but Bob and, and, and the, the follow up on after Dominique speaks, can you tell us have you heard anything, any inkling from? I know you have some colleagues and some connections that are closer to the NBA and work with teams, beat writers. Is there any chance in the next five or ten years? That the NBA, I know they tried to move. They tried to move the Sacramento Kings right. back to Seattle, and that didn't work. The Kings, the Kings were almost out of there. Kevin Johnson was the the former All Star point guard, was actually the mayor of Sacramento, and blocked that from going through. Is there any chance, Bob, that we could see, like we spoke, New Orleans does not have a good draw down there, even with Zion, even with Anthony Davis? Could we see the Pelicans or even Memphis? I, my family's in Memphis, guys. The Grizzlies don't sell out games. The only time they sold out games is when they were in the playoffs. 
I, I went down there last year and went to a game and when they were still in the club and there was like five people there. So is there any chance that we would see an NBA team move to Seattle? Or Dominique, is there anything on the, the forefront of them trying to really push for another expansion team? And, and, I, and I can tell you that, um, first of all, I, I, last that I heard that the NBA is not planning on expanding the league whatsoever. Um, but, you know, and, and you already brought it up. Uh, Seattle was about to acquire the Sacramento Kings, but that deal went ahead and fell through. Um, you know, I, I know Seattle, they're redoing the key arena um, as well as building the ho- hockey t- or the hockey arena for the Seattle Kraken um, in the NHL. Kraken, man. That's the name of the Crackheads? The Kraken? The Kraken, man. <laughs> hey, their jerseys are filthy, though. Their jerseys are nice. Or how you always say in Chicago, they're raw. They're, they're raw. Raw, yeah. Um, you know, but I, I don't know. In the next 10 years, hopefully, um, I think that, you know, that may happen. Um, but I don't, I don't see it happening in the near future. Unless do, we're able to acquire, you know, another, another team. I do think it's possible, guys, that it, it is about a 10-year uh, time span that the league can't expand. I know right now that's not in the cards i know right now you have COVID throwing a wrench in everything but i know i think that zion could potentially save basketball in new orleans it is a tenuous situation there as thea said and memphis with job maybe they'll get more solid there too so you might hope that there's going to be an expansion i do think with how basketball all these players in high school and college and in minor league systems that they're um you know, they're getting more talented, maybe you'll have enough talent to support more teams. Yeah. And and, and Seattle's a huge is a huge market, you know. Um, they will get a huge fan base. And I think they did a couple years ago they did a um kind of like a what's it called? Like a, a fake trial. Um if they were to bring a team, how many people to will bring will buy tickets? Um and I think it sold out within like a couple of seconds, to be honest with you. Um you know, that was when they were having talks of, of purchasing or acquiring the Sacramento Kings. So that's a huge market. Bob, is there any other questions that you had for our special guest here today? Dominique Austin, do you want to ask him anything about his basketball perspective? Or? Yeah, I guess. Um, what made you love the game of basketball? Um, to be honest with you, my little brother. <laughs> um, you know, just growing up watching him. Um, Because I I didn't really get into basketball until 2009 uh, when he started playing competitively for, you know, the Seattle Rotary. Um, That's where, you know, Tony Roten, um, all them guys came out of. Um, And just watching him. Tony Roten. Tony. (laughs) Yeah, Tony Roten. Philadelphia 76. Yeah. uh, 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 Garfield High School. He held my fantasy team one year. Sorry, I lost control again. 2009 or 2011. You said what? He almost won me a fantasy league one year for that 20 games he went off. He, he had like a Jeremy Lin type season. Oh, yeah, 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 he did. And then I think he's playing in China right now, if I'm not, if I'm not, uh, I think he's playing in China overseas, or he was, you know. Yeah, I know, if I, if I remember right, my memory serves, he had a kind of a tough injury and never came back, yep, right? Yeah, he had a tough injury, um, yep. And, and then he got injured in high school, and then he got injured again with uh, 76ers, didn't he? Yep, yeah, I believe so. But yeah, so, um, you know, just growing up, watching my little brother play basketball. And, and I actually sent you the highlight uh, for you to look at, Theo. You can share it with Bob as well. Um, just watching yes, him play, I I, you know, and going to the games and just, you know, being a part of the culture, talking with coaches. Um, I ended up refing, I started refing in 2017. 
um, as a hobby. And then that there you just see a whole bunch more players, um, you know, coming up. And, and so that's why I fell in love with the game of basketball. What about yourself? It, it had to be the Chicago Bulls. I was only seven years old. And you see Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, Rodman, Kukoc, Harper, all those guys dominating the league. And it was just fun. And, you know, I just – um, would play basketball in the backyard with my brothers. I actually even got the basketball trading cards, did the same with football and baseball. Um, and then after a while, I just loved reporting and writing about the game since I can't hit um, hit any shots, you know? So I had to <laughs> in some way. Right, right. Um, yeah. I, I never I never got to actually play with Bob. I, I played a few times. Dominic, man, you went to the wide, but I don't think I ever got to play uh, with Bob. I got I got a lot of press, I got a lot better, bruh. <laughs> I, I believe that. I better. believe that. You probably gotta play me with the handicap, Theus. I, I probably gotta get spotted a few points to make it competitive. No, Bob, I always hear that. I see sports writers and people always say that, but I think guys for me, I think um I guess it's kinda of fitting on this day. Uh my my love came from uh one of my, my uncle Greg, uh rest in peace, actually the day was the day he actually passed away uh, eight years ago wow. in 2012. Uh, but I think just from, you know, him taking me and some other cousins, we had a um, a CBA team. They weren't affiliated with the NBA, but in Omaha, we had the Omaha Racers. Uh, they actually won a championship. But if the, I don't know if you guys saw the WNBA. Mike T-Bone is the coach of the women's team. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Washington Mystics who won a championship. He was actually the coach in Omaha for a lot of years. Yeah. And we had some good players. Uh, uh, we had a guy in Seattle, Dominic, the, the name is family. I have to tell you off air. But, uh, Bob, you may remember a man named Jim Less. Jim Less was a star for the Omaha Racers uh, from the Grand Illinois. We also had a, a more known name, Tim Lakeler. Tim Lakeler won the 1996 NBA three-point shootout. Uh, so just from, I guess, my love from the game came from my Uncle Greg taking me to the Omaha Racers games and teaching us, my cousins, about the basketball and he coached the ref also. Uh, he played at uh, Bellevue University in Omaha, Nebraska. He also played at Westchester in Utah and uh, is at the also in the Hall of Fame there collegiately in Omaha. Uh, I think he was one of the first people to score 3,000 points at Bellevue, but 1,300 points, I'm sorry. But just from those experiences and then also playing in a local tournament called Hoop It Up. Uh, a lot of people, maybe in Seattle, they don't know about it. Uh, Dominique is kind of like a three-on-three outdoor tournament. Uh, Bob, kind of similar to Chicago, the, the shoot the bull that they used to have in uh, Chicago. Mm-hmm. But I think St. Louis and Milwaukee and Omaha have it. But yeah, we have a, we have a hoop fest in uh, in Spokane, Washington, one of the biggest uh, okay. tournaments on the West. Gentlemen, wow. I want I want to thank you yeah. both. Uh, Bob, do you have any closing thoughts? I just hope that everybody stays safe and healthy and enjoying some good basketball that's coming up. Dominique, do you have any closing thoughts, my man? We really appreciate this. has been really awesome, man. It's more than we expected, but it's been a great surprise to have you on, man. I just want to say thank you, Theo. Uh, thank you, Mr. Brown. Thank you, Bob, uh, for allowing me. I kind of encroached on your on your session today, um, but this was definitely amazing. Um, you know, Mr. Brown and I, we, we text back and forth all the time about basketball since, what, 2007, 2006? Yeah. Um, and, I think and, I met both of you guys the same year. Same yeah. year. And bo- same stomping grounds, you know, College of the Page, Glen Allen, Illinois. Yeah, man, Bob, we, yeah. We, probably, we probably ran across each other back in the day. We might have. Um, but, you know, I want to thank you both for real, for real, for allowing me to come in and uh, and, and be on your, your, your podcast today. It was amazing. It, it was very And, Dominique, and I, I want to say the crowd, too. 
Oh, go ahead, Bob. Well, I just said it, Dominique, was great to meet you through this, and I want to get on this text chain because this this would be fun. Yeah, let's let's do it, man. I want I want to read your articles as well. For sure. Yeah, and that's a great segue, Dominique. You're a natural, man. We we want to let Dominique and everybody else know again. We want to thank Brian and Andre, uh, also Brian Floyd, uh, for jumping and listening live. Uh, also to the great the great Hoover Justin. Also, he was listening live. Thank you. Guys, again, if you want to see or listen to more of the great Bob Bajek, a.k.a. Boba, definitely go to thebasketballwriters.com, which is now currently their production is postponed, but you can definitely see all of Bob's articles. And if you have the radio.com app, go to Basketball Association, and you, it's also ran by host Archie Shea and Joel Cordes. Uh, but you can also see Bob again he's featured on last week's episode uh, which is episode 23 of the Michael Jordan episode Uh, Bob is also featured on episodes 10, 17 18 and 19 as well did I get that right Bob? you did so if you want to hear five times more of Bob Bajek or read one of his main articles again Bob can you tell us in closing again a little bit about your sports writing background and uh, your wonderful journey there Yes, uh, I've worked for Bleacher Report for a while, about two or three years, and did some articles for Chicago Tribune, Patch.com, and um, other other outlets. And then I was writing for basketball writers. And then outside of that, I did some investigative journalism and, and news journalism, too, outside of sports. And a side note, Dominique, Bob, in a twist of fate in the world, Bob is stuck in my home state in Nebraska in Lincoln. Uh, and then what, what writing did you do there in Lincoln in that wonderful state of Nebraska? Sure. I was I was working for a corporate communication firm doing a lot of articles for um, companies trying to build their, their teamwork and uh, best business practices and safety. So I was kind of doing that for mainly the railroad and factories. That's amazing. That's that's amazing. Absolutely, folks. And again, we appreciate you guys for listening to episode 2.0. Uh, look for us soon again, folks. We're going to have our Instagram page up soon and also the website coming soon. So we thank you, uh, everyone, for listening. We thank you for our live listeners. If you have any comments, you can, of course, leave the voice messages. Everybody have a safe week. Have a great weekend. God bless and be safe. Thank you, everybody. <laughs>